Well, it's kind of hard to follow up those kids, isn't it? (laughs) Tonight is a night where we come together and we celebrate that the light has come into the world. But I want to take us back a little bit into our preparation time. How many people put lights on a tree or on your house this year? Probably put, who who are the light people? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk to the light people here. Because not everybody's the light person in our house. And uh, so uh, if you do that, if you take you back a few weeks, I don't know how this works, but every time I put my lights away, you know, I wrap them up nicely and I roll them up and I put them in a bin and then I come back the next year and I pull them out of that bin and they look like this. How does that work? I'm curious how that works. But in terms of this, and here's this light. So we're trying to bring light into our world But I find myself in darkness after I deal with this, right? I go from light to darkness, and then we go back to light again. But tonight we're celebrating this idea that light has come, and the light, that pain is worth it, right? It's pain to bring the beauty of the light. There's something about having light in a dark place that is so important to us and gives us hope, right? That's the importance of light for us. You think about what happened in the birth story Even after, a lot of times we don't read this part of the birth story, but after Jesus was born, before the the wise, the magi show up, Jesus' uh, parents, Mary and Joseph, take him to the temple for dedication. And in that dedication, there's a priest in the temple. His name is Simeon. And Simeon takes up, scoops up Jesus into his arms. And this is what Simeon says. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, which means all the nations, all of us, and the glory of your people, Israel. And what Simeon is saying is that a light has come into the world. Jesus is this light that has come into our dark world. It is salvation for us. And if you've ever been in a dark place, say, uh, if you've ever been in a cave and you've never had a light, you are longing for light to come. You are looking for the smallest sliver of life, of light in that cave so that you can find your way out, so that you can find your way home. That's what it means to have Jesus be the light in our life. It's interesting also that the Magi follow what? What do the Magi follow to get to Jesus? A star, right? And a star was light. And this was way before what? What do we have today? GPS, Global positioning systems, right? We have satellites around the world positioned around, and our phones send up a signal, or our watches or whatever, it send up a signal, and it comes back down to us, and it gives us our position on the planet. The Magi had the stars to go by. In fact, for hundreds and thousands of years, people were guided by the stars. It's interesting that Chinese astronomers in the 5th century BC noted and made note of a nova in the sky in the east. And they noted that, and we estimate that the time of Christ's birth was around 4 BC, so that nova would have been in the sky at the time of Jesus' birth. And it's interesting that we have, we can go back to astronomers 2,000 years ago, and we can see that there would have been this nova there. And that nova, that, that nova, that star that would have been shining so brightly in the sky would have led them right over to Bethlehem. It is right, it is now, if you go to Bethlehem, that star, where that star was, hangs over Bethlehem, and that star is no longer in existence today, but you know what's there? What what is left, for any astronomers here, what's left by a nova? A black hole, 
right? And if you go, and astronomers will tell you that over Bethlehem now, there is a black hole where, where a nova used to be, ded dedicating, showing us that this was the place. That's what the Magi fo followed. They followed the light. They followed this light to find Jesus. Notice that they went to where the light was. So light is a great guidance system, isn't it? If you're in a cave, if you're a magi looking for the king, the savior, light is a great guidance system. The other thing, though, about light is that it is necessary for life. It is necessary for life. Now, we do have some creatures that can live in darkness, but take, take a look at what plants do when they grow near the light. Look at how these plants grow. They're growing towards the light. You and I grow when we have light. We grow towards the light like these plants. This is true of most organic matter, most of the ways that God has created us. We grow towards light and we need light to help us grow. This is uh, for those parents out there that are looking to learn a new word. This is phototropism. Thank, that's your science word of the night. Thank you. Write it down. You got it? All right. I know you wanted that tonight, so I gave it to you. So that's your gift from me to you. Merry Christmas. So, so this is what we need in his light. It's interesting because John says this about Jesus in the Gospel of John. I am the light of the world. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have, here it is, the light of life. The light of life. Do you have the light of life tonight? Is the light of life in you tonight, living in you? Is Jesus a part of your life? How about is Jesus a part of our family's life? Is Jesus a part of our young people's lives? I hope so, because that is the greatest gift that we get from God, is this light that gives us life. 2018, they just did another study. This, gets hap this happens all the time. It keeps proving it time and time again that when we're exposed to the, to the light of Christ, it does impact our lives. They just did another, Harvard researchers just published another article in the Journal of Epi Epidemiology, which don't have to remember that one, just remember phototropism, but not that one. And they did a study, and they studied over 5,000 young people, children, and teenagers. And here's what they discovered, that children and teenagers that go to church every week, every week, they found some things out about these young people. Here's what they discovered about young people who attend church regularly, that means every week. They found out that they had a lower rate of drug use, they had a greater sense of overall well-being in their lives. They also discovered that they were not only did they have this general sense of well-being, but they also, I'm going to have to put my glass on for this one, they score higher on psychological well-being, they have a lower risk of mental illness, they, they also revealed that they have higher rates of volunteerism in their lives, they have a sense of mission and purpose in their life, They're more, they have an ability to forgive over their, in a, in a, to a greater degree than their peers, and they have, as I said, a lower probability of drug use. So we know that this impacts them. This light that they're exposed to gives them life. Now compare that with another study that was also done last year about Facebook. What do you think Facebook does for our young people's overall well-being? It doesn't do any of those things. In fact, exposure to Facebook 
decreases overall well-being among teenagers and young people today. So I, I just want to leave you with that. I'm a, I know I'm a pastor. I'm biased. Going to church increases well-being. <laughs> Getting on Facebook and social media decreases well-being. Just a thought. Not a sermon, not a guilt trip, just a thought. Because this is true, folks. Light gives life. Think about that. Light gives us life. And I go back to that question, do you have that light in your life tonight? I've been running, uh, getting up early in the morning and running in the darkness. I've noticed it gets dark around here a lot in the winter. I'm so glad we're past December 21st, the longest day. Right now I'm like, yay, more light's coming, right? You all get it, right? You live in Seattle. But I get up and I started in the summer getting up early in the morning, getting up at 6 a.m., going out for a run in Discovery Park over here in Magnolia. And I've maintained that, uh, that discipline even though it doesn't look like it, but I continue to do it. And I've been jogging, and, but it's gotten darker. So now when I go out running in the morning, I wear a headlamp. And I see other runners out in the park at this time of morning. I'm not the only crazy person. But here's the thing. I don't know what anybody looks like. I just know them by their lights. There's one guy I call the red light guy. He doesn't have like a white light. He carries a red light on his forehead, and he's always got a backpack on. He's like this army guy. So I just call him the red light guy. Oh, there's the red light guy. I see the red light guy every week. There's another person uh, who walks his dog, and his dog's got a green light collar on his dog, and that's how I know he's coming. But I just call him, the, I just call that the green light dog. Oh, the green light dog's coming, and the guy with the green light dog, that's them, they're coming. I know them. I say good morning to them. They say good morning to me. We wouldn't recognize each other if we were sitting in front of each other. But my favorite is actually two women that run together in the morning. The one, they run very close together. And the one in the front has a headlamp on, and the woman directly behind her has light, a light on each of her shoes. And she runs behind her, and they both use each other's light to navigate the trail. And this is important because I was out running yesterday morning, and a log had fallen across the trail, and had we not had the lights, we would have tripped and fallen, right? We would have been in utter darkness. But what I love about this idea is these two women running together supporting each other, encouraging each other, but literally letting their light shine for one another to guide each other. And that's the other part of light. Not only if we have the light of life in our lives, we're actually supposed to share that light with others to guide them as well. We're supposed to help illumine their path as well. And that would be my other question. In addition to the question of do we have the light of life, Christ, but are we sharing the light of Christ? Are we sharing this with other people? Are we making a difference in other people's lives? And you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know people who are light to you? Do you know what it's like to have a person in your life that brings light to your life? What about this? Do you know people in your life that bring darkness? <laughs> that bring toxicity, discouragement? And which person are you? What person are you being? And I would tell you this, if you want to be a person of light, you and I will need to hold on to the light of life in Jesus Christ. 
what we come to do tonight is we come together, and one of the greatest parts of our service is we light candles that come into the darkness, and we're going to do that tonight as we wrap up our service here. So when you do that, I want to mention a couple things, and then we're going to pray, but everybody has a candle, right? Does everybody have a candle? So here's what a, a couple instructions. And the instructions are this. If you have a candle, thank you, it's my demonstration. So if you have an unlit candle, you can do whatever you want with it. But if your candle is lit, would you please hold it straight up and down and don't do anything else with it? And also, if you need to light your candle, what you do, if your candle's unlit, you tip your candle towards the lit candle and light it that way, and then you hold yours straight. Here's another thing I'd love for you not to do. Don't get it close to anything flammable around you. That's clothing, hair. It is flammable, by the way. I've seen it. And so be aware of those things. But the point of us doing this is, one, it reminds us that we have the light, that the light has come to us. And we share the light with other people, like the two women jogging in the park. And when we leave here tonight, we are asked to take the light of Christ with us into our dark world. So let's do that tonight. Let's pray together.